Hey, this is Brendan Gersall from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. I want to get started today. So if you have a Bible, would you open with me to John chapter 13? John chapter 13, and we're going to look at a couple verses today, verse 34 and 35. And what we're going to look at today, I think, are probably some of the most important words that Jesus ever said to his disciples. And I think there are some serious implications on these words for us today, especially in the society that we live in, the times that we have come through. And now we are on the precipice of a new season, as we've just been praying about. I believe these words are going to, we need to draw close to them once again, um, because they're key to the success of the kingdom of God as we move ahead. And so uh, today, I want to talk to you about the topic of loving one another, of loving one another. If I had a title for today's message, it would be this, a new era of love, a new era of love. Now, I just got to get something off my chest before we begin. Can I do that? I, I think I, I feel like I need to clear, clear the air. And out of, out of just the spirit of love, let me just say this, as a fellow Nova Scotian, to my New Brunswick brothers and sisters, we love you. And we don't think that you are the plague. At least most of us don't. And you are free to come to our province and enjoy it as much as you want. All right? Whew, I just had to get it off my chest today. All right. Well, hey, let's, let's turn to the word today. John chapter 13, uh, verse 34 through 35. And this is a portion of scripture where Jesus is with his disciples and probably the most intimate time that Jesus ever has with them. And in the middle, he drops these two like verses here that I think are huge, that have huge implications for us today. And this is what I want us to do. Because this is just such a short verse, I'm gonna invite us, uh, Valley, and of course you West, and those of you who are at home or in Halifax online, can we read this together out loud? Is that possible? You got it in you today? All right, I wanna hear you West, loud and proud. Let's read this together, all ready? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Man, you guys sounded good today. Now, just a couple of ref reference points um, on what Jesus is saying here to begin with. First and foremost, notice that Jesus is commanding us to love one another. And when Jesus commands something, he's serious about it, all right? That's the first thing. The second thing is this, that these words that Jesus are, are, is, is telling his disciples are very radical words, even for the disciples of his day. And I would dare say th the call to love one another is a radical call even today, uh, a radical call even for us maybe. I don't know about you, and just out of, out of the spirit of vulnerability today, anyone find it really difficult to love people lately? Anybody? Come on. Don't be bashful. It's hard to love people today, even in my own life. It's even harder to teach this. Um, and we've been, like, uh, trying to work on this in the fancy household over the last few months. Of course, as you know, in Nova Scotia, we've had some pretty heavy restrictions uh, and man, they were a doozy. Like we were doing school at home. You guys remember those days? Yeah, those were just recent for us, right? So we were doing, you know, uh, school at home. We were underneath our roof as a family 24 hours straight, like every day. 
just kind of felt like Groundhog Day, you know, the movie. It just kind of like, the thing is just a routine. And good things happen in those times, said nobody, right? <laughs> and um, one of the things that happened over the last few months is my son, he's three, year old, three, three years old, decided to pick up a new phrase. I don't like you. And it started with um, his older sister. Of course, she goes and takes a toy from him. And, you know, there's Jack. And he's like, I don't like you. But it it started there. But it kind of morphed into something more where he just started to use that statement for anything he disagreed with, with anybody. You know, Jack, it's time to shut the TV off. It's supper time. I don't like you. Jack, it's time to get your jammies on. It's time to go to bed. I don't like you. Jack, stop hitting your sister. Please stop doing that. I don't like you. And of course, it started with his older sister and then his younger sister, and then he graduated to his mother. And then, oh yeah, he had the courage to come and say that to his daddy. And let's just say daddy was not too impressed. And I'll be honest with you, it wasn't a great dad moment because my response to him was like, you know what? I don't like you either, kid, you know? But after I came to my senses and repented, um, I said, you know, just my heart as a father to my son and to my family, I'm like, we cannot operate like this. The culture, we just cannot have this in our household. And so I did what every good dad does, and I sat my family down, and I just said, you know, with every bit of authority, fatherly authority that I have inside of me, I I sat my son down and and my my family, I said, we are not going to be saying that language anymore. In this house, we love one another. Now, you're probably picturing this. Don't picture this as some Norman Rockwell. The kids are quiet and everyone's just listening it's like hey hey turn look at me look at me kid you know we're not going to do this right and as imperfect as those times are I think those times are very important for us as we move forward I think there are critical moments that we have in our life that aren't because of fate or because of hard work or even because of good luck I think we move forward in life. There are times, I know I can see them in my life, when an authority bigger than myself, whether it's your dad, whether it's your mom, whether it's your boss, whether it's your pastor, whether it's your mentor, whether it's Jesus Christ himself, when an authority bigger than you sits you down and speaks over you. Like you don't just wake up and say, oh, I think I got this thing figured out. No, someone has to speak you into it. Are you with me? And I would dare say that the spiritual life functions this way, that you and I move forward this way at the sound of a voice. And let me say this, I think it's ultra important to encourage you with this today, especially in a world that has immense social pressure to conform to different agendas and all sorts of different things. The divide of public opinion and listening to those all around us and all this stuff. Let me remind you today, as kingdom people, we move forward at a single voice. And it is the voice of God. And not just your life, all of history moves forward at God's voice. All the events of earth move forward at God's voice. As kingdom people, you got to hear this today. We are voice activated people. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They listen to my voice and they follow me. John chapter 13 is a voice activation moment. And the key here is in this first statement that Jesus says. He says, a new commandment 
I give to you. Now we can kind of read that and kind of float on by and just think that Jesus is having a little powwow with his disciples or sitting around a campfire and talking about the values of life. But this statement right here is not a normal statement in Jesus's day. In fact, it was reserved for only certain people. And that person in Jesus's day that would say something like this was actually a king to his kingdom. Did you know that? Of course, in Jesus' day, there were kings, and, and most of history, honestly, history moved forward under the rule and reign of a king rather than parliaments, uh, and the kingdom of God would move forward on, on, on the basis of a, a word from the king. This is, this is kind of, we see this in the scriptures, actually, in the Old Testament. Uh, there was a king in Babylon, his name is King Darius, and he, would, he gave an edict to the nation that the people of Israel could leave Babylon and go back to Jerusalem and build their temple. And so the idea here is simply this, what the king says, the kingdom does. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying here? But here's the interesting thing about a king when he gave a new commandment. It didn't happen very often. But when it did, this isn't, again, when it did, this had huge ramifications. Jesus isn't just simply saying, hey, here's a new law, here's a new rule, here's, we're just going to add this to the Ten Commandments. That's not what is going on. When a new commandment came in a kingdom, that new commandment took precedence above everything else. So this is way more than just simply Jesus stating, hey, I have a new rule for you guys. What he's saying here, this is a new era. And the new era that Jesus talks about for us today is to love one another. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, from this day forward, this is how our community lives out the truth in the world. This is how we are going to embody it. Church, this is why Christianity is just not a private religion. At the core, this is a social religion. And what Jesus is saying here is, and, 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 is that all that I am and what I'm all about actually hinges on how we treat one another. That's what he's saying. Now, what does it mean to love one another? Now, this statement is actually very loaded, but I want to focus on the last two words today, one another. This word, uh, or this, these two words, one another, actually in the original language is one word, and it literally means facing one another. That's what this means. It means to love each other face to face. It, it, th th what this means is, is that we don't love each other, especially in the body of Christ as disciples of Jesus, anonymously. We love face to face. And this is an ongoing theme throughout the New Testament. In fact, the New Testament writers make sure that we never lose sight of these words. And they do this in every single letter that they write. They constantly exhort the church over and over again around what we call the one another's. And there's a lot of them. You know, if you look at the New Testament, there's over a hundred one another's in the New Testament. Here are just a few of them. Romans chapter 12, be devoted to one another in love. Be face to face, be devoted to being face to face each other in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be at peace with one another. Bear one another's burdens. Speak the truth to one another. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Forgive one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Come on, somebody, right? No, don't do that today. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Encourage one another. And every time they would write a one another, the aim was always 
was always Christ. They would say something like this, forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Love one another as Christ has loved you. And the reality is, is that these one another dynamics are the chief factor of a believability for the rest of the world with respect to our faith. So much so that the lack of one anothering and doing it well actually has serious implications, some major impact. The first thing I would say is this, the first uh, level of impact is that when we don't love one another well or we don't one another well, it impacts the credibility of what Jesus came to do in our city. You know, there's a popular, popular trend going on right now amongst young believers and really believers all over the place. We're seeing people whose faith are starting to fizzle or they're, they're deconstructing their faith as they call it or they're calling their faith into question or whatever you wanna call it. And I, I believe, truly, I believe it, it can be directly linked to the fact that we have not possibly been one anothering very well. Because it's in one anothering that our faith is sustained. Now understand something, this isn't an indictment. I just think that this is the reality in which we live in today. It actually impacts the validity of Jesus's ministry in our city. But the second thing is that it actually impacts us personally. Like if we have no one in our community that speaks the truth to us in love, or bears our burdens, or acts in humility towards us, or loves us, or forgives us, or acts in hospitality towards us when we need it most, not only will our faith in the Maritimes be powerless, but we will suffer under a lack of true intimacy and connection. And the reality is, is that you and I were created for this. You and I were actually created to one another well. Why? Because we were created in the image of God. And God is three in one. And God himself is a community in and of himself. We were created in God's image. You were created to need vulnerable, transparent, authentic connection to one another. A face-to-face relationship. You were created to one another well. But here's the sad reality of our time. And I'm afraid we can all agree to this. I would say that we are better defined today as a culture, as a society, and what I dare say, the body of Christ, as being more alienated than anothered. And there are a couple of reasons for this, I really do. And one has been around since the beginning of time. The first reason I call the pattern of Eden. The pattern of Eden. You're probably saying, what's the pattern of Eden? Well, of course, I'm not gonna go through the whole story of Genesis chapter three, but of course, you know the story. Adam and Eve are in the garden of Eden. Do you know that they, they were created to have a face-to-face relationship with God? But not only that, a face-to-face relationship with each other. And when they, when they believe the temptation of the serpent to eat of the fruit of the tree of, good, of no, tree of knowledge of good and evil, what was the first thing that went south? Does anyone know? Relationship. All of a sudden, the face-to-face relationship, the one anothering was broken. And instead of being vulnerable and transparent and authentic, they, there, was, there was a whole new era of shame, of blame, and hiding. Hiding our face. And the, and the reality is, is that we're still susceptible to this. Our natural recourse is to hide from one another. So, 
So that's the first one. There's a pattern of Eden. But the second one, I, I, I believe, is more pressing for us today. And it's that there are false narratives of our culture that are causing us to hide from one another. And I could park here for a long time today, but I really just want to focus on this one because I see this one as most press, uh, pressing. There is, this, there is this kind of narrative in our culture today that says this. If we disagree, we must divide. We actually must break apart. Whether it's in the body of Christ, surrounding doctrines or dogmas or, or, or definitions, or in the world, of course, over massive social issues like race or gender or coronavirus or whatever. And what this narrative is doing, it's actually giving people permission and a false sense of control to separate, or the, 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 the catchword of today, to cancel from those who are different than them, whether it be appearance or status or belief. And this is happening at an alarming rate. And this is all happening under the guise of progress. But if I can be so bold today, Jesus says this isn't the way forward. Jesus actually says something quite opposite. He actually says your progress, your growth, your health and life comes from loving one another face to face. And if I can be so bold to speak this over you as the body of Christ today, I wanna say this today, we need a new era of love. My question for us today is, how do we do this? How do, how do we actually kickstart a new era of love? And I've been thinking about this all week as I've been preparing for this and through this season. And I really have just a three-step like three, three process, an, an operation plan. Can I say it that way? an operation plan for us today. And I just, wanna, I just wanna idle down through these and we'll be done in just a few minutes. But the first thing I wanna say to you is this. Here's how we kickstart a new era of love, especially in the body of Christ. And let me say this, I believe it happens in the body of Christ first before anywhere else. But the first thing I'll say is this, start with the heart where something of value can be planted. Let me, let me say it this way, start with your heart. Stop trying to start with someone else's heart. Start with your heart. This is about taking responsibility for our own hearts. Look what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says. He says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. What's going on here? You see what's happening? This is internal work that God is doing. This is what Peter's saying. So that you have sincere love for each other. Love, there's the word again, one another deeply. From where? From the heart. Let me say this, a real and lasting love ultimately comes from a peaceful heart. When your heart is peaceful, you can give yourself fully to others. You can give yourself away. Now, how do we do that? And this is, this is what I believe. This is something I've been doing over the last little bit, and I thought I'd just kind of share this with you today. By paying attention to what is being planted in your heart every single day. Like seriously, I do a daily inventory every day. I stop and I ask myself questions every single day. This is the, this is the world that we live in. We've got to be responsible for our own hearts. And the questions I've been asking myself is, what is be actually being planted in my heart? What is taking root in my heart? Is it positive or negative? Does it align with God's word or does it align with something else? And there are moments, all, there are things, there are moments and ideas and words just surrounding us, ready to take root in our hearts. And it's important that we pay attention to this. The Christian mystic um, Thomas Merton said this about these sorts of moments. He said, every moment and every event of every person's life, 
plants something on their soul. Just as the wind carries thousands of invisible, invisible winged seeds, so the stream of time brings with it germs of spiritual vitality that come to rest imperceptibly in the minds and wills of people. Most of these unnumbered seeds perish and are lost because we are not prepared to receive them. My friends, the preparation for something of value, something of God to be planted in you, I think is so undervalued in our day. I find that a lot of us just kind of live this rat race spirituality. Like we're just looking for the next thing. If I could just get that jab or just have that spiritual experience rather than just paying attention to our heart so that when something significant actually comes, we, we, we give it time to take root where it needs to take root. And so it's important for us to actually pay attention to our hearts. Start with our hearts. You want to know a couple questions about how you know what, where your heart is at? Well, Dallas Willard, I think, is the best when he talks about the soul. And he gave a few questions, a couple questions here in an interview that you can actually go back and watch on YouTube. But this is what he said, and he kind of simplifies this for us to know where your heart is. He says this, am I growing more or less irritated these days? Am I growing more easily or less easily discouraged these days? Really, how you answer those questions are going to determine the level of love in your heart. Maybe you don't know the answer to these questions. I dare you to ask your spouse. My point is this, simply, to love one another begins with paying attention to your heart. And becoming aware that God is planting something there. And I, I, I want to believe today that as we stand here, there's actually a movement in, in some of your hearts right now that God is stirring. And the question you need to ask is, is this something that, is this chaos or is this peace? Or is God trying to create my heart a heart of peace? There's some of you who are actually, have some, have some struggle in your heart. And can I just be so bold to say, God put it there. And you keep asking God to, to take it away from you, but actually there is blessing and love and life on the other side of the, of the struggle. And so, but what he wants to do is bring peace to your heart. Now, why peace? Why is a peaceful heart so important? Because what God often asks of us is to ref reflect his love from our peaceful heart. See, this is the, the beauty of having a peaceful heart. Listen, when, when, you see, when you see a clear, like a clear pond, you see a reflection, don't you? You ever seen that on a like calm, nice fall day? And you see like a reflection of trees and like stones and all sorts of things, right? Like what, what we do, a peaceful heart actually reflects the love of God. But I find our society like gets this backwards. I find in our day, we try to actually love out of reputation more than out of character. Like we want to be seen a certain way. You know what I'm talking about? Like that's why it's possible for people to like hold it together in one environment and then disappear and go home and like fall apart. You with me on this? Like I find so many people in our day and there's like a, a driving force in our day to just, to just have a reputation of love and, and so many people want to show themselves as loving yet their hearts are so distraught. So we become a generation, we become a nation that loves well in public. And what happens is, is that we get caught in, in a, another key word. This is, this is what we call virtue signaling. Like, we love in public. 
But when behind closed doors where it really matters, life begins to fall apart. And so today, we need to ask the question about the interior and the character of our hearts. Let me, let me pose this question to you. If people saw what you did in private, would they trust you more or trust you less? Because only a heart that is touched by God can truly love one another. Stanley Howard was, um, who was a great pastor in his day, once said this. He said, this love that is a characteristic of God's kingdom is possibly only for forgiven people. A people who have learned not to fear one another. Man, that's a, that's a huge statement. To fear one another. Only when myself, my character, my heart has been formed by God's love do I know I have no reason to fear the other. That's so good. Start with your heart. Number two today, second step. Number two, open your mind to the vulnerability of Jesus. Open your mind to the vulnerability of Jesus. This is what Paul's talking about in Philippians chapter two. Verse five, he says this, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in, in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, this whole passage throughout history is, has actually been known as the Christ hymn. And many people go to this particular passage to describe the divinity or the humanity of Jesus. But actually, when you look at it in its context, Paul's actually not saying this to describe the humanity and divinity of Jesus, even though that's very important. Did you notice what he said at the very beginning? He's actually saying, he actually said this. He said, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. He's actually writing about the type of mind that you and I ought to have postured towards each other. And what he's saying is that this is our new model, church. How we relate with one another, how we love like Jesus, to act like Jesus, it looks like this. It looks like opening ourselves up. It looks like opening ourselves up to the service of others. It looks like letting our rights go. It looks like, like letting go of our privileges. It actually looks like showing our vulnerability. This is the mindset that we are to have. This is what Paul's saying, to, to love one another. Let me say it this way. This church is our new default mode. There was an old default mode, and it was the pattern of Eden. There was hide, hiding, there was shaming, there was blaming. But what Paul is saying here is this is your new mindset. If we rendered this sentence a little bit differently, this is really what it's saying. If you are in Christ, this is your mind now. This is your mind now. This is your new default mode. We are to relate through vulnerability of our, our lives. And, but here's what happens when we don't choose to do this. Number one, I think we shut our life off to the way of Jesus but we shut our life off to love itself. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Four Loves, as you can tell in this church, we love C.S. Lewis, but he says this, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you wanna make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. 
Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. This is what Paul is trying to get at in Philippians chapter 2. For us, the church, he says, no, there is a new mode for you now. It is a life of living open as Christ. And, and, and there's some of you, and can we just be honest today? Some of you have tried to do this and you've been hurt. You have found yourself broken in community. And the reality is, and I'm not too far into thinking, you know, it's not missed on me that it's happened in church. And if you're here today and saying, I can't, I can't go there, Pastor Seth. I mean, I, I just can't do it anymore. I've been broken. I've been hurt. If I could, and you were, we were having that conversation, I would sit down with you, and I would hold your hand, and I would actually tell you to go deeper, to step in further, to actually give yourself away more. Because what Jesus is saying, the mindset that we have is actually sacrificial. Love is not about self-preservation in the kingdom of God. It is about giving yourself away. This is what the scholars called a cruciform love. This is a picture of Jesus on the cross with his hands wide open. This is the way that we love, church. This is the way that we love one another. And this is what Jesus is saying. There is a new era of love, face to face, arms wide open. And then finally, the third, the third, the third thing is this today. Move your hands. Because love is not a feeling, it's an action. Love is not a feeling, it's an action. Just before um, Jesus says this statement, this kingly statement to his kingdom, my new commandment to you is to love one another. There's this scene that unfolds that is so beautiful. Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room. By the way, this is where um, they had the, the first last supper together. Jesus broke bread with his disciples and then after the meal, what he did is that he actually withdrew and he came out and he had taken off his cloak and he had set his disciples down all around them. And what does he start to do but to get down face to face with his disciples and to one by one start washing their feet. He just starts washing their feet. Now, what's interesting about this passage is that the disciples don't really take to this too well. They actually kind of find it a little awkward, a little weird, a little strange, which I think is really interesting because I think that it really kind of shows how far away we are from experiencing true love with one another. Like, we don't know how to receive true love. We push back. This is weird. This is awkward. We don't want to do this. And I think, I think that the reality is, have you ever experienced that where you try to actually, like, out of real love, love somebody, and they're like, why are you doing this? Like, it's because our, our, our world is so void of this. But then Jesus, after he's done washing the disciples' feet, he says this in verse 15, and, or verse 15 of chapter 13. He says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. What I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. How many times did you hear the word do? A few times. Why? 
Because to love one another is more than just to have a good feeling towards another person. Loving one another, if I can just say it this way, it's hard work. And for some of us, it might not come in the form of taking off our cloak and washing one another's feet today. But it might come in the form of combating our own isolation and withdrawing. It might come in the form of taking on new patterns and new practices and new habits of the heart. It may mean that we take on new ways of interacting with each other. If I can be so bold to say this, listen, if you are a disciple of Jesus and you have a tendency to ghost people, ghost no more. Like, loving one another actually means like taking responsibility, doing the hard things. Like if you're a person today and, and what you do is you control every relationship you get in to protect yourself, you have to now open your life up with vulnerability and humility. Some of us have outstanding debt in relationships with people all around us. And so if I can just be so bold today to challenge you to take that step, to take the action of forgiveness, to go and actually make amends. You know what I'm finding? People are open to that right now. I had someone in my church say, hey, you know what? So-and-so are coming over, to, uh, coming over to my house. I was talking to him a couple weeks ago and I said, I thought there was a falling out between you guys. He said, you know what? We've realized in this season that those things have just, I don't know why we put so much emphasis on those, but we've made amends. And then we're all coming back. That's loving one another well. This is gonna take intentionality to love one another. And it's not easy, it's work. But hear me on this, and I know this to be true. The work of your love testifies that your love works. The work of your love will testify that your love works. I was reading a book just a couple weeks ago called The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. And he makes this statement and I thought it was super profound. He writes a whole, a whole chapter on love. He's a Christian psychotherapist. And so he knows what he's talking about. He says this, when we love someone, our love becomes dis- dis- demonstrable or real only through our exertion, through the, f- the fact that for that someone or for ourselves, we take an extra step or walk an extra mile. Love is not effortless. To the contrary, love is effortful. What love is, love does. Peck would actually go on to say in his book that he believes, and I think he's right about this, that anti-love is not hate, it's actually laziness. But we have our model before us in Jesus. A new commandment I give you, A new error has arrived, says the king. To love one another as I have loved you. One who gives himself away, one who sacrifices, love exerts, love bleeds, love loves face to face. And the best example we have of this is Jesus on the cross. And if I can just end today just with this simple statement, listen church, I believe in our time, in the body of Christ today, we need a renewal of loving one another well. This is a new era of love. And it's gonna happen in us and amongst us. Listen, the witness of Jesus rests on how well we love one another. 
And I wanna pray for us today, because I know, guess what? I'm here today, I'm being vulnerable with you. This is hard right now. This is incredibly hard. It's hard for me to love people right now very well. But I'm committed to this, because the king has said it. And in the kingdom of God, what the king says, the kingdom does, amen? So let's pray today. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for these words, even though they can be difficult and maybe even hard. I love the fact that you are real with us and honest with us and you say to us things that actually you call us to do that are very difficult. There's actually a huge responsibility you place on your, on your disciples' shoulders. But there's also a whole lot of grace you place on our shoulders as well. And so today, God, as we leave from this place, as we, as we step out into this world, and maybe even the new world in some ways, God, as that term has been thrown around in our culture, Lord, I pray that you would develop a, a, a community of people, of people who love you and, and, and just worship you, Lord, a, a new conviction to love one another well, to truly, truly love each other, God, as you have commanded us to and called us to, and as you have shown the example for us today, God, we step in and we choose today truly to love one another. God, even as we've been um, singing just before, I just felt in my spirit, even as we were singing that song earlier in our service, just break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. God, I just felt in my spirit that just today, even over our community, over hearts, over, over the church today, Lord, would you just break the chain of division? Would you break the chain of discouragement? Break the chain of hatred? and injustice. God, in Jesus' name, would you break the chains of our hearts that cause us to hide from each other. And when we step in with, with the grace and love of Jesus to be able to face each other, face to face, truly loving each other and loving each other well. God, I thank you for your word. We thank you for the, being here today, the Lord's day. We love you, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.